And uh, Noah, would you turn that light on for me, please? It'd be great. All right. Well, welcome. Welcome back. You guys had a safe trip. Welcome visitors, family, Balloon Fiesta participants. Um, it's good. I guess today was the only day they didn't go up, huh? Is that right? The balloons? So the day the plats went. <laughs> oh, man. But you got up early anyways, right? That's good. <laughs> so you guys are going to be really awake for my message here. All right. We're talking about the gospel, the good news, the best news ever heard. Um, it is what we need as a people. It is what is shaping us as a people. It is what uh, our neighborhood needs. It's what our world needs. It is the good news that has been made most fully known in Jesus Christ. Uh, when we look at Jesus, we see the good news. The gospel in one word is Jesus. The gospel in three words is Jesus is Lord. The gospel in three words, Jesus is Lord. The gospel in 30 words, you can test me again, but Jesus is God with us. God with us, come to show us God's love, to save us from our sin, to um, set up his kingdom, to shut down religion, which I'll explain that one, so that we can share in God's life. Gospel in 30 words. This isn't a, a, a formula. This isn't a magic incantation. This isn't something we just spit at people. But it's, this helps us see the multidimensional beauty of the gospel. It's like a diamond with multifaceted, right? You don't, each of these is a facet. It's an on-ramp into this beautiful journey that is the gospel that Jesus has brought about through his life and his death and his resurrection. The good news that is changing the world, that has changed me, that has changed many of us, that is changing our community, that is changing us and forming and shaping us into a people that is a people of good news. And so we have the ground of the gospel, right? I'm just going to repeat this because it's worth repeating. All right? It's the ground of the gospel that Jesus is God with us, that God is most fully known in Jesus. And God didn't say, well, come up the mountain to me and follow these rules and perform well enough and come be with me. He said, no, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come down the mountain to be with you. Not just to be with you, right? But to be with you as you. To take on flesh. To take on our weakness. To take on our vulnerability. To take on our pain. And so the good news is that God is with us, right? That is good news. That God is with and understands us. That he has felt the pain of loss. He has felt the pain of death. He has felt the pain of betrayal. And when we go through that same thing, we know that God is not one that can't sympathize with us, but that he's actually, actually with us. Like there, as we said, on the morning bench. Like so when you are up at night crying and you're alone and your pain is, is too much, God is with you in Jesus. Like that is good news. He gets you, he's with you. And God, being with us, sets, releases these gifts that his life and his death and his resurrection with us shows us God's love, that, that God, we can know without a shadow of doubt, despite what is going on in the world, that God loves us, that he loves the world, because he planted a stake in human history. It's called the cross. 
Jesus came and he proclaimed once and for all that he loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. He shows us his love. He shows us his love when he walks this earth, when he confronts sin, when he confronts sickness, when he confronts pain and illness and the oppressed. He shows us, without a shadow of doubt, that God is love. He saves us from our sin. We talked about that last week, right? And we had Dave come up here and he held the globe, right? He held the world and we wrapped him in a chain and we said the world is in bondage to sin and death to the fear of death. We are in bondage to sin and we suffer under it. We suffer because we have sinned and because we have been sinned against, right? We suffer the effects. We are victims of sin, the sin of others and the sin that we experience in life, the systemic injustices that exist and that we suffer under and that whole people suffer under. We suffer under sin, but God, Jesus, we said, is the bolt cutters, right? He breaks the chains. He releases us from the bondage of sin and death. He frees us from that. And today we look at the third gift of the gospel. He came not just to save us from sin. He didn't just save us from something. He saved us to something. And this is really good news. He saved us not just from our sin, not just from fear of death, not just from Satan and bondage, but he set us free to live a life in his kingdom, to live a life according to his kingdom, to live a life according to the way, the will and way of God on this earth. So Jesus comes to set up his kingdom. Um, we talked about last week in Colossians 1.13, right, that we have been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus' glorious light. There's a transference that happens. We're not just released and saved, and we wait for heaven. We are released and sent into a life, a kingdom life, that is governed by the kingdom. And so Jesus came to set up his kingdom. We spent quite a bit of time uh, in this series before this looking at the kingdom of God. And we're gonna, we'll talk about it all the time because I believe it is, it, the, the gospel has a modifier, right? Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's the good news of the kingdom of God. I'll show that to you in just a minute. Well, we looked at what the kingdom of God is, and we kind of came up with this, this somewhat not so memorable phrase. Hopefully, it'll get there. God's reign, the kingdom of God is God's reign, reflected through God's people, realized on God's earth. And each of these components are super important to understand what it means that Jesus set up his kingdom um, on earth. So what does it mean for God to reign? Jesus comes announcing the kingdom of God. And there's Bibles in the back if you want to look it up. Or you can look it up on your phone. Or you can just take my word for it as I read two passages. When Jesus comes on the scene, he, he enters the scene, he has a message. And we talked one whole sermon about the message of Jesus was the kingdom of God. The message of the New Testament is the kingdom of God. The message of Acts was the kingdom of God. The message of Revelation is the kingdom of God. All right, it, 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 and you can go look it up online. But here it is, Jesus, if you want to. Jesus um, says in, in Matthew 4, uh, 
12. All right. Where is it? There it is. When Jesus heard that John had put, been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and he lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Okay, that's a lot of names. This is giving context to the prophetic fulfillment that is about to happen. Jesus essentially moves from Nazareth to um, Capernaum. The land of Zebulun, here's the prophecy, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, uh, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And this is the important part. The people, the people living in darkness, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. I want you to use your imaginations here. The people living in great darkness, think of all that darkness entails, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, they're living under the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. What's his message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. In Mark, he says the same thing. In Mark 1, uh, 17, no, Mark 1.14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, same, same context, proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. It's like here, it's, it's, here it is. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. So the message of Jesus is the kingdom of God. He came to set up his kingdom and the fact that, that God's reign, basically that Jesus comes to announce God's reign. He comes to announce that the kingdom has come, that Israel, the whole nation of Israel, this is what they were expecting. They were expecting the Messiah to bring the kingdom of God to bear, to overthrow their oppressors. Now, they didn't understand fully. They saw dimly, right, what this meant. And Jesus kind of blows their mind in terms of what it means to set up the kingdom. But he sets up this kingdom and they're expecting a king. And Jesus comes on the scene proclaiming the kingdom, says, I've here, God reigns. Now, why is this good news? Each of these phrases, God's reign, realized through God's people, I mean, reflected through God's people, realized on God's earth. Each of these is wonderful news. Now, why? God's reign should be a little bit obvious, but it's okay. God's reign is good news because God is good. Amen. And he's a good king. And he's a good, he's, a, he's our creator. God's reign is good news because God is good. Let me ask you this. And this is a serious question, so I want some feedback. All right? What would it look like if I say that God's reign is wherever God's will and way hold sway? Cute, right? Wherever God's will and way hold sway. Wherever his will is done, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wherever God's will, wherever our will is submitted to His will and our way is along His way, that is where the kingdom of God is. Here's the question. What would it look like if God's will and way held sway on the earth? What would it look like in the city? 
throw some things out there. Help me out. Because I didn't write any more sermon. (laughs) If God was in charge, what would the world look like? Cohesive, no tears. Good. Anything else? The Garden of Eden, like the Garden of Eden. What was the Garden of Eden like? Perfect? How was it perfect? Walking with God, abundance. Right relationship, no weeds. No bugs, preventative. Health care, right. Right. Think of, no what? Okay, we would be home. Nice. We would be home. Yeah, there's beautiful imagery in uh, the Old and New Testament as to what it looks like when God's reign, when His will and His way hold sway, when a whole people are submitted to the will and the way of God. And it might look something like this. Jesus kind of called us, uh, described it. He said, Blessed are the poor and crushed in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Maybe the, maybe the earth under God's will and way, uh, the kingdom looks like the poor and the crushed, those under the weight of their own sin and the weight of other sin, the weight of mourning and death and, and just crushed under the weight of the world. Maybe that's the place where people like that are valued and they're taken in and they're cared for and their pain is, is dealt with. Maybe the, the world looks, under God's reign, looks like blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger, literally, and thirst, literally, for righteousness and justice, who hurt under and, and suffer under the bondage of sin and death. Literally, physically and spiritually, emotionally, mentally, in all ways. They hunger and thirst. And they will receive, they will be filled, they will be satisfied. Maybe that's what the world looks like under God's reign. Maybe it's where those who uh, seek peace and pursue it are called children of God. Those who are persecuted are called blessed. Those who love their enemies and pray for those who persecute them. Maybe that's what the world looks like under God's reign. See, the reign of God is good news because God is a good God and because God had promises to bring all these things about, right? Revelation 21, can I just, can we read a couple things? I don't have them on the, on, um, the, the screen, but Revelation 21, what is the good world that God uh, says he's bringing about? Someone said it'll be like Eden, but it'll be even better than Eden. He's going he's gonna to remake Eden. How did he create the world? See, here's the return of the king. The king is the creator. He's the God of the universe who made the world. How? It, to, what was that? Spoke it into existence, right? He spoke it in existence and it happened and there was shalom. There was wellness in all directions. There was peace between humanity and God. I've said this, I see this almost every week. Humanity and God. Peace 
between humanity and humanity. Peace between humanity and creation. It's wholeness in all directions. That's how he made the world. And that's how he's remaking the world. That's what he's accomplished through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And his return will bring fully about. God's reign means the reconciliation of all things under him. It means restoration. Um, And so, Revelation 21 says, I didn't know not even there. Oh man. See, I put big bookmarks in there for a reason. Revelation 21, 1, When I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Let's stop there for a minute. I don't believe, as some might take issue with it, but I don't believe that this means literally there's no sea in heaven or in the new heavens and new earth. This is the, the Jewish people in the ancient Near East feared the sea. It was a place of, of, of mystery. You go out into the sea and you don't come back often. It's a place of, it was symbolic for chaos. In a lot of the mythology, the world was created from the tumult of the sea. And so when it says the sea is no more, it means the chaos is no more. The, the, uh, the mystery is, is no more. The uh, turmoil and fear and darkness that the sea represents is no more. And so I saw, he says, a holy city, the new Jerusalem. Notice the direction. Are we going up or is the heavenly city coming down? I saw the holy city of the New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and women, humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And he says, behold, I am making all things new. That's the good king. That's the arrival of the good king. That's the good news. That's the gospel that Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Jump up and praise God because there's a new king. He's the old king. He's the rightful king. And he's making all things new. We can look at so many other passages. But here's the other aspect of the good news. God's reign is coming. But it gets even better than this. Because there's an invitation in this announcement. That the kingdom of God is at hand. There's an invitation to come and join him. See, the kingdom of God is meant to be shared and participated in. Right? That he made us to be image bearers. He made us to reflect his glory and his love and his creativity into the world. Right? And so the kingdom is reflected, is God's reign reflected through God's people, through us. So when, when the call to repent and believe is an invitation to join God's move on the earth, to join what he's doing in making all things new. And this is, this is beautiful. This is good news, right? I want to look, and I've got it here, if you can read it. John 20, 19 through 23. This is after Jesus uh, was crucified on the cross and he rose from the dead and the disciples are in a room, fearful, confused, disappointed because their Messiah, this one who announced the kingdom, the one who they put their hopes in, 
died. He got crucified. And it's humiliating to be crucified. It's the way that Rome used to humiliate anyone who would claim to come against them. Any rival king was crucified. When Jesus grew up, there were over 2,000 people crucified in, in one event, Jews, to show them that they are worthless, useless, and out of control. And Jesus, the one who proclaimed the kingdom of God, has suffered the same fate. On the evening of that first day of the week, Sunday, why do we worship on Sunday? You don't have to worship on Sunday, but why do we? Because it changed everything. It's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. On the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, the scars, the wounds. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, pay attention here, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, right? He breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Whoa. What's that mean? I'm not going to unpack it. But I'll tell you what this means. Is that we, with the announcement of the kingdom of God, are invited to be citizens of that kingdom and to participate in the move of the kingdom and to participate in the making of all things new. Now, it's God's work, but He chooses to use and work through us. And we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work of Jesus in the world. This is a team effort. This is good news, right? You have purpose in your life. The gospel, the good news is that your life matters and it matters on a big cosmic scale. It's like, it's everything. It's huge. Jesus says, peace, shalom be with you. Wellness in all directions has transformed you. My Holy Spirit is in you. You are changed and now go as changed people to change the world by the power of my spirit, by the message of my gospel. Proclaim the good news. Proclaim the kingdom of God. It's been set up. Let's go. Let's move. We talked about forgiveness last time a little bit as release, right? He says to that, that beggar, right, or not the beggar, the, the paralytic, who his friends lower him through the roof, remember? And he says, your sins are forgiven. And then he heals him. And that word forgive actually literally means loosed, like, like release. You're released. You're set free, right? We carry that power to to carry on the work of, of God because we're empowered by the Spirit. We're, we're said, hey, be on my team. We're releasing people from the power of sin and death and darkness and despair. And so be on mission with me. We can talk more about that. So the kingdom is realized on God's earth. Matthew uses the word kingdom of heaven often. You see the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. Mark and Luke use the kingdom of God. 
Is it two different things? What do we mean? The, Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. Let me just, I'm just explaining this because here's why. Well, let me explain it first. The kingdom of heaven is a euphemism for God. We w- the Jewish people would not speak the name of Yahweh. Uh, it was a sign of re- respect to, to substitute the name of God for a generalized term, heaven. And you say, you know, um, if you say, for heaven's sake, right? That's really probably saying, I probably shouldn't have just said that. Because it's a euphemism for probably taking the Lord's name in vain, right? You're saying, for heaven's sake, you're, it's a euphemism. And so, they're saying the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are the same thing. What we have come, what I grew up kind of thinking and believing is that heaven is purely the, this future space, this disembodied existence, that we're waiting for heaven, and we've been saved from hell, and we've been saved to heaven, and all we do right here is wait for the rapture, and we get taken to heaven, all right? So we just wait, that heaven is this purely uh, future existence, this in disembodied existence. What's actually reality is that's the Greek way of viewing heaven. It's kind of a pagan way of viewing heaven, and it's not the way actually, that the Jews, uh, Jewish people believed and um, not what Jesus really taught. And we'll, we'll, we'll get there. It's The kingdom of God is earthly. When I say that, I mean God is about making all things new. The new heavens and the new earth. He created the earth and He's redeeming the earth. All creation groans, it says in Romans 8, for the revelation of the sons of God. And so, the kingdom of God has everything to do with what we see, all right, and what we experience, and the pain that we feel, like, and that's good news, because God cares about the world. God cares about the dirt. God, care, God isn't too dirty, so, too holy, you know, to not mess with it, because He became He's fully God, fully man. The kingdom of God is good news for the world, for the cosmos. So, um, here is a little analogy that I've used before. Here's your life, all right? Here's here's, uh, how we typically, how pagan religions and, and many people in Christianity have viewed heaven and this earth. This is your life on earth. You're born and you die. And then begins the afterlife, heaven, or the other place, right? What Jesus, what the Bible teaches, is that the kingdom of God comes into present time space with the arrival of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Boom! It overlaps. There's a divine invasion. There's a heavenly invasion of space and time. He says the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. He says another place, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And he comes and he confronts the pain and the suffering and the darkness and he releases the captives literally. He casts out demons and heals the sick and we, we, we know this. And so the kingdom of God, the biblical kind of eschatology or understanding of heaven and earth is more like this. And when you, Jesus says, repent and believe, he's saying, change, repent means rethink the world. It's not just this, it's this. Rethink it. There's been an invasion, and all things are being made new, and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. Join in, become a citizen of the kingdom of God, participate in the making of all things new, and that eternal life starts now and continues on, sorry, you got it? Past the fingertips, past the other elbow. All right, the audio of this is going to be confusing. 
But you got it? So the kingdom, was, it's here. It's already, but not yet. Because notice what happens. Here is the life of the, uh, the world under the domain of darkness. And, and um, there's still greed, and there's still suffering, and there's still addiction, and there's still sin, and there's still disunity, and abuse, and neglect, and all of this. And Jesus has come, and he's put to death all those things, but they're still rebelling. And at one point in the, when Jesus returns, he will finally make all wrong things right. He will reverse the curse of sin and death, and that age will be completely broken off, and the kingdom of God will continue on for eternity, and we will have a very physical existence living under the kingdom of God in a completely renewed and restored world just as we were meant to live it. That's good news, right? Is it? Yeah. It's good news. It's good news. And so when we're called to repent and believe, like I said, there's a call here. With the announcement of the kingdom, there's always an invitation. Jesus says, come and follow me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He says, join me on this mission. He comes to a a room of his disciples and it's locked. They're fearful. They're kind of in a holy huddle, like don't know what just happened. Jesus enters into that space. And he says, no, good news. The kingdom of God is here. I have risen from the dead. I am with you now. Go. Be empowered. Sign up. Rethink everything. The world's a completely new place. And you see the book of Acts. And you see history start to unfold. And that is what we wait for, the final culmination of all things. But in the meantime, we join up with this kingdom. We rethink everything and we're people of the kingdom of God. So the call is, if you all already have placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, keep believing. Keep rethinking. Keep believe and know that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to change the world with God. And if you haven't, man, the good news is that God is with you, that He's shown you God's love, that He um, has set you free from sin and death and, and all of that that weighs you down, and that He is inviting you not just to set you free from something, but to invite you into something, into something that's beautiful, that lasts for eternity, but that starts even now, and that we can have a real impact even now. And, and, 